Dotnet Rocks episode 906 with guest Chris May. Recorded live Wednesday, August 14th, 2013. This episode is brought to you by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. Online at telerik.com. And by Windows Azure, who wants you as an MSDN subscriber to activate your Windows Azure credits and start building your own dev test environment in the cloud. Activate before September 30th for a chance to win a 2013 Aston Martin V8 Vantage sports car. Go to .netrocks.com slash Azure to enter and win. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much, and welcome back to .NET Rocks. Carl and Richard, we're at the last day of that conference in Wisconsin Dells. You were playing late last night. Yeah, but the show that I recorded earlier this morning, I was a little uh, little raspy. Yeah, we, we call that the hangover show, I think. But it was a good topic. Oh, it wasn't a hangover specifically. I, I just sang my, you know, my voice out a yeah. bit. Yeah, it just get it catch up with you eventually. Yeah, yeah, it was a good time. Good time here in Wisconsin. All right, better no framework. All right, buddy, what do you got? Well, in uh, honor of our guest and the topic of the day, I decided to go to uh, Google's conference, you know, the, where they had their I.O. conference in uh, May, and to see if I could find something that came out of that or what they were talking about at it that was pretty cool. And so if you go to tinyurl.com slash speech search PA, uh, here's a story that Google's working on the next generation of conversational search, the virtual personal assistant, or the virtual PA. And uh, the idea is that they're uh, keeping context in the search so that, you know, when you have a conversation and this, this is a, you know, like maybe you would say something like, how old is Barack Obama? You can actually try it in Chrome. There's a, there's a feature in Chrome where you can speak a search and Chrome will speak the answer. But, you know, with a person, you could then ask a series of follow-up questions like, how tall is he? Who is his wife? And how old is she? And they would know who you were referring to in each question. That's the functionality Google's rolling out, remembering who or what you just asked about and interpreting pronouns appropriately, which doesn't seem like a big deal, but in fact, it really is. And if you ever think about speech, you know, what a, what a computer must think and how, how that actually happens, it, it turns out to be a difficult problem. The problem is, is one of those things humans do naturally and computers just don't. And we, it's easy for folks who aren't into computing to wonder why that's hard. Yeah, it's, it's really easy for our brains to sort of fill in the missing pieces when we don't have information. But uh, computers, not, not, so bad, not so much. Terribly literal they are. They are. So that's it. Uh, it's interesting stuff. Know it, learn it, love it. Richard, who's talking to us? Hey, I grabbed an old comment. I was looking for something kind of cool and funky from some of the other weird shows we've done. And I went all the way back to 643. And that's a show we did with Mark Miller and Seth Juarez about their crazy Connect app. Do you remember that crazy app they had for programming? Yes, uh, that was where they were trying to actually use the Connect to write code in Visual Studio. 
Right. It's like a three-dimensional hand positioning to select letters for typing, which seemed a little awkward. A little. But John Griffith, and this is from a couple of years ago, had this comment where he said, Hi, with regards to the 10-foot typing experience, may I recommend not creating something new, but going with an existing technology? Rather than come up with a new typing paradigm, I believe it would be better to use American Sign Language. Solving this problem would not just add letters, but also allow symbols into the mix. For example, in expressing a tree structure, we'd have the ability to use signings for parent, child, and so on. Because, you know, ASL... There are individual gestures that mean it's entire words. That's right. So it actually be quite efficient. You're no longer spelling out character by character. You're using words to actually write code. And if you've ever watched somebody interpreting ASL, they can keep up. I mean, it's not something that lags behind. No, I would argue you could talk faster in ASL at times than you can verbally. It's it's quite a good language. I had a girlfriend many, many moons ago who was serious in ASL, and I learned enough to be able to talk to her from across the room, which is handy at parties. Interestingly, I went to a uh, gesture recognition competition in Boston a couple of years ago, and I brought gesture pack up there. And I was the only one that was using the connect with the skeletal tracking to do gesture recognition. Everybody else was doing the, uh, you know, the, the depth, using the depth sensor to sort of find the outline to the hand and the fingers and all of that. And pretty much the coolest stuff going was sign language recognition and they were doing it. There was companies there that were doing it. I'd, I think uh, the leap is going to be the the device for that. Just because of its crispness and resolution around fingers and things. I think yeah, and fidelity, deal. yes. Yeah, I think that's a big deal. Uh, John finishes off with, uh, the approach described seemed just like a semaphore, but from scratch. Again, we developers always insist on throwing away the existing system in order to do it right this time. Deaf people would find that they have a hand up and would have to wait for their fellow classmates to catch up. I look forward to the next project, say, flashlights for the blind or a HAL interface for lip reading. Thanks, John Griffith. The only thing I can say about that, John, is that uh, I, while for conversation, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and for, for prose, for code, hmm, I don't know. What's the ASL sign for tab or semicolon uh, or ellipses or quotes or any of that stuff? I don't know. Yeah, I think we'd have to create a bunch of additional gestures. But I think the to his better point is gestures that represent symbols and entire constructs. There's not that many words in a programming language. As opposed to just using it to select letters on a keyboard. Right. And but you know the tough one would be stuff like variable names and things. Like it would be tricky to make that work, but it speaks to an interesting paradigm. Uh either way, John, thanks so much for your comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, just write a comment on the website at dotnet rocks.com or on any of our mobile apps. We've got them for Android, iOS, Windows 8, and Windows Phone. And those apps were built by Diatom Enterprises, who'd love to build you an app. And before we go any further, I need to tell you that Pluralsight provides comprehensive developer training online. Hundreds of hardcore developer training courses authored by industry experts. They release at least 40 new courses every month and still offer a free 10-day, 200-minute trial. Uh, the full curriculum on software practices, including Agile, Scrum, TFD, and a full library of design patterns. Try Pluralsight today. Subscription plans start at just $29 a month. And before I introduce Chris, I guess we should talk a little bit about Dev Intersection Conference that uh, you're involved with and I'm speaking at that's coming up here in uh, in October. That's right. October 27th to the 30th at the MGM Grand and uh, great spread of topics. We're covering uh, Visual Studio, ASP.NET. There's the SQL Intersection as well. It's got all kinds of SQL topics in there and Angle Brackets, which is an open web conference. One ticket gets you access to all of them. And if you sign up for both a workshop and the conference, we'll give you an Xbox One. 
Is the goo coming? The goo will be there in keynoting along with Steven Guggenheimer and uh, several other keynotes. I hear rumor Doug Seven may reappear again. Wow, interesting. And if you sign up uh, on the devintersection.com site and select .NET Rocks is where you heard about it, you get 50 bucks off. So that's our little gift to you just for being a great listener. So let me introduce our guest, Christopher May. Christopher has been writing software on the .NET framework since 2001 and currently runs a small dev shop focusing on ASP.NET and SQL Server applications. He began writing software on the Windows CE devices back in the 90s, and after owning nearly every CE or pocket PC device, he now uses an iPhone. Chris works on, well, that's one of the things that he uses. I know that for sure. Chris works on a variety of projects, utilizing mostly the Microsoft stack, Web Forms, MVC, SSRS, SQL Server, JavaScript, jQuery, Telerik Controls, Mercurial, WPF, WinForms, and all that. Chris holds a BS in civil engineering from Bradley University and an MS in computer science from the University of Chicago. He married his high school sweetheart, Kathleen, and has two boys, Carter and Owen. You can find him on the web at chrismay.org or Twitter at chrismaydev. Welcome, Chris. Thanks. Great to be here. So, I happen to notice that you're looking very Borgish today. Yes, I'm wearing uh, the Explorer version of Google Glass. And what's the Explorer version? Um, it's not quite a beta, but it's um, a pre-consumer release product that uh, certain people, both who signed up at uh, Google's I.O. in 2012 right. and um, competed in a, I guess, a contest on Twitter mm-hmm. um, to be selected as one of the people who get to uh, use it before it's available uh, in a, as a consumer product. So when I said the iPhone is only one of your devices because it's a requirement that you have an Android phone to use Google Glass, isn't it? For some of the features. Um, specifically, if you want to have uh, directions, you know, like uh, GPS directions. GPS, yeah. GPS, or any GPS information for that case. Okay. And also for uh, text messaging. The okay. other requirements are um, you have to use a, a Gmail account. Mm-hmm. So that kind of stinks for me because that's not my primary email. Right. And so I'm limited in some of the features such as uh, its accuracy with Google now um, and the context that I have through Google Plus and through um, Gmail itself. Just because it doesn't have that much information for you or about you to really be able to do this. I mean, I really appreciate, based on your bio, you're clearly a .NET developer. How do you end up in this place? Um, Is it because it's so cool? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I really, I you know, I've been following the technology. I wasn't one of the the Google I.O. attendees, but Mm -hmm. um, I went through and was following them on Twitter and following you know, just the development, because I thought it was kind of a cool technology. And so when they had this thing saying, um, what do you want, uh, you know, what what would you, the question was basically, if I had glass, what would you do? Right. And so um, at the time, I uh, I happened to be sort of working on a punch list application for facilities management. So mm-hmm. people would go around, they check off, okay, yes, the electrical on floor five of the building is done. And so, uh, this sort of seemed like it would be a really cool that seems, tool. Yeah, it seems like total natural, right? Right. Normally, you run around with a clipboard for this. Yep. Now, you could actually just have the information on your eye, and as you get to the right location and can look at something, heck, you'd even take a photo of it to show it's in the right condition. Right. and a video. Yeah, mm-hmm. so the idea would, that would be that somebody could say, you know, okay, record a new incident, 
and as I'm saying things like record, it's recording here. So let me stop this. <laughs> He's tapping the side of his face, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. And I'm going through uh I'm going through this bridge here so it shows up on on this Android device I have. So everything's a little bit slow in recognizing my taps and stuff. But right. so the idea would be that you would go and you could you could record something and say, Okay, you know, it knows where you are on the GPS and it knows, you know, who you are based on you logging into the app, and then you can say, Okay, you know, the conduit here at the southeast corner, this is not right. It needs to be at least eight inches off of the stud or whatever. And then hit save and move on to the next Right. So thing. the best way to collect efficiencies you could ever do because you, right. you really got video of everything right when you were there. What's the video resolution? Uh, 720p. Okay. So it's not the world's greatest, but right. it's pretty good for, for what you get. I mean, I haven't – the quality coming out of the out of the video that – that you get is sufficient. Sure. Now, um, can I see them one more time? Sure. You let me wear these before, and I had uh, glasses on. And this time, I'm going to try them without my glasses on. Here, hold this for a second. Sure. All right, so I have a nearsighted astigmatism, so I can't really see it all that well. So, that you, it does, however, it is in full frame. You know, because I noticed that with my glasses on, uh, I, I, I was some of it was getting cut off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Part of the part of the process when um, you know to pick these up, I had to fly out to one of the Google locations, which they had three of them all on a different coast, and I live mm -hmm. in Chicago. So, um, good news is you're at a hub. Bad yes. news is no Google for you right That's there. That's right. So. <laughs> So if we um so we flew out to uh, Los Angeles to pick them up and and most of the they put you through some training mm -hmm. um and most of that was centered around um I should say a lot of it was centered around fitting uh the device properly to you and it's not as complicated as it sounds but you you know they spend time bending these little eye you know pieces to get the So so if somebody had glasses they would be able to make them fit yeah, some people do. It's kind of it's kind of tough if you have glasses to wear these over them. They're working on. They've promised people that they're going to have support for prescription glasses in some format. So I don't really know what that's going to be like right now. They have these shades here. Let me just yeah, go ahead. So they oh, come, yeah. they come with these clip-in shades that there's a <laughs> pair I got on right now are. Um, dark, you know, like sunglasses. That's very and cool. The the other set they have are just clear, right? And, and so those uh, could be prescription lenses, exactly, right? In theory, and people have been coming up with all kinds of mods, and they've been creating their own three D printed things. And right, um, one guy has a concept where the the frames are have a big big magnetic strip, and you just tack this thing right onto it. You know, this, so then it just becomes part of your your regular glasses, whatever they happen to be. Right, um, but. For the for the next version, I think they're going to be working to support, um, you know, frames, uh, or I should say um, prescription lenses. Well, and I can see with the sunglasses on, there's just sort of this glow over one eye, mm -hmm. which is, I guess, the, the projector there. You've got a very um, Terminator look going yeah. for you. Yeah, I was going to say Borg, but, you know, with <laughs> without the sunglasses, you, you it's Borg, and with, it's definitely Terminator, but... So let's talk about how you program this and the, what it, does the API allow you to do. Yeah, so the um, right now they don't support um, native applications on the device. 
So there's a plan to release a glass development kit mm -hmm. that's going to be similar to the Android one. Um, right now, you can sideload Android apps because this does run a version of Android. Uh, it's just very awkward to do so, and it's you can't launch it through the glass interface. And what what uh, is curious to me is what code runs on the device and what runs on the phone that it's connected to. So um, right now, almost all of the stuff runs on the device itself. So you could have a uh, you could have a you know a non Android phone, but you could load an you could load an Android. APK onto your glass device mm -hmm. and it would run in a similar way that it would run if you loaded it onto an Android phone. Uh, it uses your phone for internet. It uses your phone or it uses your phone for uh, phone calls coming in. Speech processing. Right. Um, yeah, that goes up to the cloud actually. Mm -hmm. oh, the speech uh, recognition mm -hmm. does. Yeah. Okay. So, and you can uh, configure it to your favorite Wi-Fi networks so that you have some consistent ones you um, there's a website you go to and you type in the, um, the information about your Wi-Fi and it puts up a QR code that, uh, Glass understands and uses that to connect to your Wi-Fi. Oh, interesting. So, but, so there is a Wi-Fi antenna on the yep. glass and some computing power. So there are right. a certain amount of things you can do without the phone attached. Right. Yes. And, um, all the stuff that doesn't involve the internet or a cell network mm -hmm. can be done without any connection at all. So you can go take videos, take photos, you know, look through what you previously had received. Mm -hmm. um, all those things are capable. It's only the real-time stuff that needs the all internet. Right. Great. So let's talk about what you can do with it just out of the box and then the kinds of things that you can write. Sure. So um, you want to talk about like... Uh, let's go run down the feature list. Yeah. Yeah. So you can take, you can take photos, obviously. You can take videos. Um, and as I say that, it's taking a video. Because <laughs> so, it heard you. Yeah. It's starting to do a video call. Normally, this wouldn't be as much of a problem because I've got this thing hooked up, so it's constantly on. Normally, it goes to sleep after a few seconds, and you have yeah, to wake the, it up. What, you say this thing, the, the, uh, this the phone? This is the Android screencast. All so right. it's showing what, you know, like, so if I say, okay, glass. Right. You see, it changes the, the menu there and shows my options. Right, okay. Um, so, so take a picture, take a video. Yes, take a picture, take a video. You can get directions. You can... Uh, make calls. You can receive and send text messages. Okay. Um, and then there's integrations on some of those things with, uh, they just added take a note. Um, right. Last night, actually, they pushed out a new um, version of the software. And so now you can say take a note and then yeah. it'll list your note applications. Hmm. Um, the supported apps right now, they call them apps, are glassware, they call them. It's a, uh, an, a REST API that you can write a service um, that it consumes. And mm -hmm. so you can have a server out there that um, people go to a web app and they say, yeah, I, I want to sign up for this. Uh, for example, for, you could go to Twitter and you can say, yeah, I want to sign up for it. It takes you to Google and it does an OAuth, um, you know, to say you're going to give them these rights. It says, okay. And now then you can send tweets from your they can, Yeah, then you can send tweets and you can get updates from Twitter. Twitter could... Um, you know, you could know the person's location. Um, you can send as a as an application. You can send these cards to a person and have them reply to it or um, respond in certain actions, and then your application can pick up those actions and act upon them. 
Okay, so that's the stuff that you can do now with the with the REST service. You just sort of opened up the world, right? Because now anything that you can send, any message you can send to a REST service can then be interpreted and then do anything you want with it. What's the kind of um, authentication that's required for? I mean, because if you just have a service endpoint out there, anybody can send data to it and start messing around with it. Right. It's uh, it's it's all done through OAuth. Through, I mean, your service is sending REST messages to Google's Mirror API. Okay. And so there's a um, there's no there's periodic notifications that um, you can ask the server for, but it's not. Uh, I don't think you're you're opening yourself up. Well, let me you ask know? you this: mm-hmm. if I if I want to put out a a service endpoint in the cloud or whatever, mm-hmm. and I want to get messages from my Google Glass. Do they actually come from you or do they come from Google? Do they, they come, come f- through Google? So I can tell, you know, if my refer, if my, you know, my client is actually Google mm-hmm. and I guess I can authenticate based on that, that this is a valid thing. Right. And that, and you, pre- that prevents anybody from just opening up a browser and start sending messages to my right. service. And, and so, for example, my, my service would, would, after having been given permission, giving authorization, it would have a token about, say, user A, and then it can present that token uh, to the Google servers and get back a list of what's happened since it last uh, checked in. So if the person, you know, hits share this with my application or um, replied to a card that my application sent, those things will show up. I'll see it on the person's, they, they call it the timeline. Um, basically the cards that I've sent the user or the replies that the user has sent to me or updates about that person's location or any of a number of things. What about control of, of stuff in the immediate environment, like the intranet, an intranet thing? So if I want to have a service that's in my house, let's say, or in my building and, uh, it knows, you know, it knows who I am and, uh, and I can then use that to control things like, Oh, lights and music mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Is that all possible? Yep, absolutely. So what you would do in that case is your, if you want to have like a home automation thing, you would, you would send the, after the user authenticates with your service, you would send them a, a pinnable card. And so once this card comes in saying like, welcome to the home automation program, mm-hmm. you'd tap it. You'd say pin this card as an option. You tap again. And then that card slides over to the left side of the timeline, which is things like, settings, weather, um, places near you. So it just goes in your menu. In other Basically. Words. Right. And so it never, it won't fall off your menu as you do more, you know, it won't fall off your timeline. It's always there, you mm. know, a couple menus away and then you can have custom menu items off of that. So you could, you could scroll to it, tap it and then pick like turn on lights or something. And then that would send a message that would eventually get picked up by your server. Oh, well I was thinking about controlling it all with speech. Right? Um, that's, that's supported, but it would have to be, you'd have to have, basically what you do is you would hit reply on a card and you would talk something. Mm-hmm. That speech would get picked up and sent to your server, but it wouldn't be contextual at the device level. So it, the, the device wouldn't know that you're, you're talking in a language specific right. to dealing with turning lights on or off. So it's basically just taking the wave file, mm-hmm. right? Because it's not doing the decoding there, sending it to your service, then you can decode it. And well, then, Google yeah, would do that. Right. Google's server would do that, and so you'd get a you your get service text. would get a, the text of it. So does it does it send your location as well? Can it? Um, I don't know the answer to that. I know you get 
you can get periodic updates as to the person's location, mm-hmm. but I don't know if you can, at the moment of sending a card, know the exact GPS or not. Yeah, that would be pretty darn cool, wouldn't it? I mean, you, you're in one room, you say dim the lights, it knows you're in that room, and it dims the lights. Well, but the GPS stuff's on the phone, right? The GPS on the phone. So, so long as, I mean, you, so long as you're tethered to a phone, mm-hmm. if you were not, then it wouldn't know any uh, location information about you. And so, if you were just on a Wi-Fi walking around, it wouldn't have that GPS. And actually, if you're inside, you're probably triangulated anyway, and it is going to have that kind of accuracy. Yeah, we got to solve the interior positioning problem. It's <laughs> time. We need it, especially when you start thinking about this. Like, I think your idea is awesome, Carl. I want that. But you really do need to know where you are inside. Well, just yeah, sort of walking around your building, interacting with the environment makes is the, the obvious really cool application of this. A lot of people are also talking about things like um, once the native apps come out, and you could say it straight with your voice. You could say, okay, Glass, dim the lights, and and that would be an option. Hey, the light's just dimmed. (laughs) (laughs) Google is everywhere. A lot of people have been talking about um, facial recognition as being a potential uh, thing that as you're walking around a party. Yeah, is this the augmented reality product then? They're not immediately pushing it as such. Mm -hmm. they made they they talk a lot about how they made this decision to keep the the prism out of your line of sight. Right. It won't be augmented reality in the Terminator sense of like highlighting things in your vision. Right. But it could be in terms of providing you real time data about something you're looking at. In the end, you want the guy's name. So if right. it's up in the edge of your vision and the name appears, yeah, you can just kind of you know, glance up. Problem there. solved. Right. But you know, we we talked about this in in show what was it nine hundred I think when when it, the creepy factor. You know, mm-hmm. sort of uh, gets in there that you, if you, I can imagine having a conversation with somebody who's wearing one of these things, you know, and they say something like, Hey, Carl, how you doing? I've, <laughs> I've met you, I think it was at Bob's party. Yeah, it was May 12th, wasn't it? At <laughs> 8.46 know. p.m. at 40, GPS coordinates. Yeah, it's sort of as the data is coming in, you know, he's trying to fake it, you know. I can see that being a potential art form you know mm-hmm. trying to master <laughs> the the art of uh, conversation with data sort of coming in you know, almost like a newscaster yeah very Cyrano de Bergerac yeah very much uh I'm actually I'm curious how much you wear the thing um I'd say I don't wear it as much as other people but I would put a lot of that down to the fact that one uh, I use an iPhone right two um I don't use my uh, Gmail account as my right. primary email. Um, yeah, you've got to be sort of committed to the Google lifestyle to yes. really have this thing serve you all of the time. You know, because I think about like I get lots of those. You know, I get lots of alerts on my iPhone. Sure, and I do want to see those, and I mm-hmm. look at them and I say, "Oh, you know, this app just sent me this alert, or I have this email, or whatever." My text message came in from this person. That is stuff that would be nice if I could just see it. Yeah, that would um, encourage you to wear it during the day, right? Where I've really, where I've really been making sure to wear it is when I'm going out to something interesting. Mm-hmm. So you know, I I go to the, I went to the carnival with my family and I brought it and it was fantastic. You know, and I was going. Was on, it about photo taking? Yes, about okay. photo taking, about uh, videos. Mm-hmm. By default, the video is ten seconds, which is great for just catching little things. Right. And, um. You know, like I. I rode the little kitty roller coaster with my three-year-old son, and mm-hmm. we go down the thing, and I look over, and I say, oh, was that fun? And he goes, no, 
no, <laughs> take me out. <laughs> you know? and, and, and so things you like scared that. scared your child yeah. on video. Oh, yeah. How nice. And, uh, it was, he wanted to go on it, and so I guess I should have had better sense, but... No, it's fair. It's, you know, uh, that's learning empirically. Yep. And you you know what's going to be great? When he's 17, he can play that back for his uh-huh, girlfriend. Exactly. That'd we've got be these, awesome. Yeah, we've got the video of my other son who... He's all happy, and I pick him up, and he instantly starts crying and calling for his mom. So, I'm going to save that, and when he when he wants something in the future, I'm going to say... Just yeah, watch look, this. Look how you treated me. Yeah. Watch this. Not very well. It's interesting. I mean, interesting as sort of an ideal video camera. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe it could be higher resolution and zooming and so forth, but it's literally your eyes view. Yes. And you think about how often you see people out and they're, they're pointing, you know, they're getting their phone out and they're swiping to the app and yep. they're hitting record and then they're, they're positioning it and they're looking, they're looking at this event, uh, through the phone, right. you know, as it's happening, which is kind of, um, sort of a messed up way of yeah, and it, living and it's your life. A, been a real bug for me. Mm-hmm. I've been much more interested in looking at things now than taking photos of them anymore. Right. Yeah. So I I I've done that a lot of things when I go. I went to uh, um, I went to a U.S. soccer game in in at Soldier Field in Chicago, and mm-hmm. I brought these. And you know, you're walking through the crowd, and when there's a collection of people that are doing something crazy, you just you know hit the thing and kind of walk past them and watch what they're doing and. Later, you can go back and check that video, or mm-hmm. um, you know, get an ex- you know, first 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 person perspective for sure. Hey, Richard, you know what time it is? Ah, it must be that happy time again. That's right. It's time to convince your mom that Google Glass can't see you naked. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's true. <laughs> How did that rumor get started? Oh, I think I just started it. Nice. No, no, no. It's time to give away a Telerik DevCraft complete collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. Uh, but before I do that, I need to tell you that Kendo UI from Telerik is everything you need to build HTML5 and JavaScript sites and mobile apps. Kendo comes with server-side wrappers for ASP.NET MVC, so you'll be able to produce awesome HTML5 apps powered by Kendo UI without being forced to write JavaScript. Simply program on the server and the Kendo UI wrappers will handle all the HTML and JavaScript. You'll have fun and your boss will be amazed. Visit the official site at kendoui.com slash D-O-T-N-E-T to find out more about Kendo UI or download the free 30-day trial with full support. And don't forget to thank Telerik for supporting .NET Rocks. So who's our winner, buddy? Today's winner is Colin Desmond. Congratulations, Colin. Golf clap for you. Golf clap for Colin. I love Telerik, by the way, so props to them. Okay, awesome. And uh, Colin wins a Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection. That is everything Telerik does in one box. We're also giving away Franklin Brothers CD, Lifeboat to Nowhere, good stuff. Uh, And this, if you like classic rock and good harmonies and good music, good time, good feeling music, you'll like it. Today's winner, Gaurav Singh. Congratulations, Gaurav. Golf clap for you. Golf clap for you. Congrats. So if you don't know what we're talking about, go to .nerox.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button in the upper right-hand corner, answer a few questions, and join the fan club. It just takes a minute. We have thousands of members. Every show, we give away stuff. Every December, we give away $5,000 worth of technology. And so, Chris, you have Google Glass, so that can't be on your list, but have you thought about what you would buy with $5,000 technology-wise? Hmm. You're supposed to come prepared, Chris. Now. Let's see. I think I would go with uh maybe a 4K 
TV screen. Totally in. Absolutely. I was looking at the Asus one. Uh, can't remember the model number now, but they're about 3500 bucks. Is that a TV screen or a monitor for your mm. computer? It, it's, it has both. This, yeah, it has both. It's got the display port on it. It's don't know if it's got a tuner in it or not. It's about 31 inches, so you could use it as a monitor. But it's 3840 by 2160. That's a lot of resolution. So now if you're getting digital cable or content, whatever, that has to support that resolution in order to take advantage of it, right? Right. Or when it'll, it, that actually maps perfectly into 1080p HD. But uh, your computer monitor, a good video card can drive to full resolution. And you too can have code so small you can't read it. <laughs> and yet it is readable by somebody. Well, and you end up, you have me having to zoom all the stuff up. The, your text goes up to the 150% motor and so forth. I definitely want one. I think it's, see, I'm, I'm with you, Chris. That's an awesome thing to have. I think uh, that's, my, that's my new monitor. So, uh, you program Google Glass in Java? No. Uh, .NET. There's a, uh, really? a whole set of, yeah, they've, they've got starter kits for uh, .NET, Python, Go, PHP, if you believe it, and... I'm, Why are you mocking PHP? PHP is your friend. Well, I'm a I'm a VB.NET developer, so okay. PHP is one of the few that I, you know languages I can really kind of look down upon. Uh. <laughs> well, it's like old ASP, right? It's the yeah. write once, read never language. That's right. Yeah, but they've got they've got five starter kits. They they all provide some set of classes to help you uh, connect to their RESTful service. So okay. All right. So, what do mere mortals need to do in order to to get developing on Google Glass? Do they still have to wait? Does uh... to get an actual device? Yeah, you still do need to wait. They just started sending out um, like kind of like refer a friend things to the people who have them now. Wow. Um. So Sounds I have very Gmailish. Yes, right? that's a lot of people have mentioned that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I have not yet received mine, but if people out there want to do it and they know somebody who has it. You know, start pinging them you know, every now and then and say, hey, did you, uh, did you get that invite yet? Cause, I wonder uh, how many tweets Scoble gets. <laughs> <laughs> he's like the spokesman for Google Glass these days, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's, been, uh, he's been one of sort of the prominent people that's, uh, I wouldn't say like totally bought into it, but is, is giving it some backing. And uh, the, there's, a, there's a dev kit out there that you can go get. You know, like I was saying, getting started, but they have a lot of, on their dev site, they have a lot of documentation about um, all the methods and some videos and stuff okay. to help you get started. Can you get started writing code without a device? Um, there is a, um, I forget the name of it, but it's, if you search for a Mirror API emulator, I think it is, Mirror API simulator, um, someone has created something to, to mirror the Mirror API. And uh, so that's something that you can run and interact with it without getting Google's uh, approval to talk to their services. So there's nothing, as far as I've seen, that actually simulates um, the user's experience. But you can start working on, uh, you know, I'm going to send this message to the service. I'm going to get back this message. This is what is going to be on the person's timeline, that type of a thing. And again, when you're writing this stuff, you're writing code that's going to run on the device, right? Not in for the C mirror Sharp? API. No, this the C sharp stuff. I mean, you could write C sharp. I do C sharp with Xamarin. That stuff mm-hmm. should port over to it in the future. But uh. this stuff for the mirror API, it's stuff that runs on whatever URL you want to deploy it. Okay. And you log in and tell Google, you know, I'm this developer. Here's where my app is located. 
Um, here's the URL that I'm going to send users to and from. So and apps are all in the cloud then. They are for the, for, for this part. Yes. So there's the native apps that will come later. Those will be installed I get on it. the device. And those will probably be in Java then. Uh, yeah, they could be, but yeah. might be C plus plus too. We don't know what the underlying OS inside. Right. Well, it so is no, actually, it's an Android. Oh, it is Android. It is okay. Android. So, so right now you can take an Android APK and sideload it onto Glass. Right. Um, you just don't necessarily have access to all the things that you will have access to, and it's not integrated in any way with the current UI, um, that's running on Glass at the moment. Well, it sounds like it's still quite early in mm-hmm. the process. I mean, all the things that I imagined you'd be able to do with Glass, they're not really doing yet. Right. Yeah. yeah the um, Initially, they were talking about having this marketable and selling uh, by the end of this year. Then they started saying next year, uh, early next year, you know, they're saying, and now a lot of people are saying probably not even then that it's hmm. sort of, they're sort of pushing their timeline back. It's interesting. Um, and I think that they really need... They need, really need to have the native apps out. They really need people to come up with these, you know, really killer apps other than the other than taking pictures. You know, they need they need people to be able to do facial recognition. They need people to be able to do uh, QR barcode scanning right right off the bat. They need people to say, "Okay, Glass, do my application thing that's custom." And until right. they have that, it's it's going to be a tough sell. Well, and aren't there certain kinds of apps that Google's banned? I know porn's one of them, but wasn't facial recognition also banned? Yeah, they they talked about that, and I'm not sure if that was an official thing or not. Right, facial recognition. <clears throat> facial you mean? recognition. Yeah, because they're you could you could imagine they're a little bit worried about the privacy issues. Oh yeah, and, there's huge privacy issues right. around this thing. So they're they're concerned about that. They've banned porn. They've and they've banned all advertising, which is hmm. funny. Which Google's, is funny for a company yeah. that makes its living from right. advertising. So I think they were just thinking on a limited screen. You know, they don't want people to try to try and slide up. an ad in there yeah. too. I mean, you could imagine it's like real life <sighs> pop up ads in your face. And you know, arguably, porn is what pushes the internet forward. So you've kind of taken out one of your major drivers. You know, I'm sure people will get around it. I mean, it's got a sure. web browser built into it now, so yeah. you can go to a site and it doesn't have to – it could be any site. Yeah. So, I'm sure people can do whatever they want with it. You don't really have control over that per se. Right. They're just saying that in their store, they're not going to approve certain things just the way Apple does. But the creepiness factor is an interesting problem. And I, and I wonder if this is just – it's going to take social time. When phones first got cameras, there were big deals over that. I remember places mm-hmm. saying, no camera phones allowed. Right. You know, and it's just sort of relaxed now. I'm wondering, as this becomes more common, if it's just not going to be a big a deal anymore. I think even more than that, the the sort of the segue factor, you mm-hmm. know, the the rich douchebag toy. I don't know what right. you want to call it. but Well, the way that Bluetooth headsets originally exactly. were. Yes. Right? So well, Bluetooth headsets are more commonplace now, but I and I talked about this as well before, is that... Yeah, it has the danger of going the way of the Segway, just because, you know, if it makes it in a, into a Weird Al video, you're yes. you're done. But I think the other thing about a Segway is that a Segway stayed expensive. Yes. It is not an inexpensive product. Um, the, I, I think you might want to compare that to compare Google Glass to a Newton. Is it too far ahead of its time? Because a Newton stayed costly. It was about mm-hmm. $800,000, and it had fairly limited functionality because it was sort of the first of its breed. And then it went away and, you know, things progressed from there. So, is this the Newton or is it an iPod? Mm-hmm. 
You know, is this the one that sticks, that takes this thing forward, or is it the one that we'll remember sort of vaguely? Do you remember that thing? Right. I mean, this these things were 1500 bucks, mm. and um, I don't think many people expect them to cost that much when they come out. So, right. if they come out and they cost 1200 that's going to be a lot different than they, if they come out and they're 499 Yeah. Yeah, you're right. If they're in the range of a smartphone, and if they get packaged like smartphones do, where it comes with a three-year contract for $100 or something... They'll go like hotcakes, even if they are creepy. And do you, what's the uh, possibility that they could put the smartphone in Google Glass? Um, I suppose that they could. Right now, the speaker for it is a bone-conducting thing behind right. your ear. And honestly, that's sort of the weakest point, in my opinion. It's not good enough to to hear, you know, in, in anything but a quiet room. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So, you find it really low level? Um. It's yeah, it's low level and it's it's uh I can't I can't explain. It's just like I if I plug that ear, you know, just put my finger in right. The, the right ear, then I can hear yeah, quite I, better. I noticed that too when I was using it is that you still hear everything coming in your ear. Right. But you're here you're using your bones to hear this stuff and it it is not loud. Right. So when you're out and you're using your phone and it's loud, you know, you can press it really hard against your ear so that you're only hearing your phone. Right. There's nothing like that with glass. And there's nothing, there's no equivalent of um, holding the phone close to your face to talk. Or turning it up. It does have volume. They mm. just released volume, but I'm at 100%. Okay. You know, when I try, I tried it a while ago and I could hear it really clearly. So, I'm also wondering if it's just the sort of structure of our heads as to how good your bone con- conducting mm-hmm. was. I thought it was the neatest feature on it. Just because I could hear something you couldn't hear, and I could still hear the whole room. Like in that sense, the ear, the the audio piece is like the the visual piece that you're still seeing the world and some additional information. You could still hear the world and some additional information. That that could be. I the person who was doing my fitting, you know, insisted that that once I got home and I would I had a good cell signal, I'd be able to hear everything really well, and it never materialized for me. But it okay. could just be it doesn't press on the right spot, or maybe you have a thick skull. Yeah, I don't know. Do you use it when you drive? I started trying that because I <clears throat> would be firmly, normally, I should say, I would be firmly in the camp of sort of let people make their own decisions about stuff. I'd rather have my GPS on my car work when I'm driving. And so sure. my gut reaction was, you know, don't disable it. Don't make rules. You know, it's better to have a heads up something than a in your dash something. Sure. I've completely flipped on that after trying to use it i i think it gives when i when i was driving with it and i would try to look up it'd give me a false sense of that i'm not looking away from the road when i really am even if i tip my head and i'm looking sort of through the lens i'm still focusing on something that's not the road and it gives this false sense of that you really are paying attention when you're not Mm, interesting and it's and it's harder to you know there's only one lens there so you're only seeing out of your right eye so it's a little bit harder to focus so i I, got about I would a also half think it would give you a headache, up. too. I found in designing UIs where you had to change focal distances repeatedly, like you're looking at one thing that's one distance away and then having to look back at a screen another distance away, the larger the difference between those two things, it exhausted people very quickly. Yeah, it's yeah. a fact. That's, a, that's an exercise that eye doctors will have their patients do uh, to increase the, you know, to build up the muscle, just like doing a workout. Focusing on something far away and then focusing on something close by mm-hmm. is actually a workout for your eye. Yeah. Now, what about um, what about dual eye? You know, what about something that uh, where there's a projector over each eye? 
I think that'd be tough to do just because yeah. you'd have to have them aligned in such a way that you'd have to look up with both eyes and they'd have to be, you know. Yeah. I don't know what the right word is, but stereoscopically. Got it. Yeah, they'd have to be, yeah. But if, you know, assuming they could do that and that it wouldn't get in the way of what you're currently looking at, you know, that's another thing. Some people in their concepts, they had done something where it was like a a thing all the way across the front rather than just one little projector. So the idea was that you'd have, you know, instead of seeing, you know, a little rectangle, you'd see a long band of data across your field of vision. And so you could you could get more stuff up there, but you know you wouldn't have two eyes focusing on two pictures. Both eyes would look at the same spot. Be like a ticker, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of like uh, Jordi LaForge. Right. You know the visor. Right. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. You wonder if this is an interim step. If we're really just going to go to full wrap around, you know, in the end, I could literally cover your eyes, put a camera on the other side, and map the whole image together. Oh, I don't know. Be creepy. Well, it'd have to be a damn good camera. I mean, your eyes have incredible resolution, don't they? Yeah. And and tuning focus distances, like, there's a lot that have to be figured out for that. But it's certainly a step in the direction. So how's that app coming that you talked about at the top of the show? Um, real life has gotten in the way of that a bit, but mm-hmm. I've I've gotten to the point where I've got a, a service out there. I can receive messages. I can deploy messages, uh, cards, images, things that I can reply to. Um, so basically my problem is I need to work in a mechanism for tacking on, um, the photo that's taken, the video that's taken, attaching that to other metadata mm-hmm. that the person is keying in somewhere. Um, and that would be a lot more simple with a native app because you could do something like type it on a, a computer or a touchpad or something and look at a QR code and then look at the video and it would all just happen as opposed to, Sending it, waiting for it to come back, tapping it, you know, doing something on it. But Sure. And we really haven't talked about the tap gestures, but it seems like that's what you use the most. Yes. Um, the voice stuff is for shortcuts and for some responses mm-hmm. and for initial launching. Um, but navigation through stuff is usually through touch gesturing on your temple. And mm-hmm. so you, you swipe forward or backwards to go left or right. You can swipe down to cancel, tap to select. You can use two fingers and hold it down when you're looking at a, a web page, and then you just kind of move your head around, and it the, the page moves in front of you. Oh, wow. Okay. Now, can you do Google searches? You can. Actually, with your voice? Yes. So, you can say, okay, okay, Glass, Google, whatever, and then it'll yep. it'll show you if it's a... If it's a question that it thinks it knows the answer to, it'll just show you it. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you say, <clears throat> if you say, what's... Uh, a thousand kilograms in pounds. Right. It'll it'll say that answer to you. That's pretty cool. If uh, the 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 really cool thing for that part is that you can ask it to do translations between languages, oh, and it'll great. speak it to you as well as showing it to you. So, <clears throat> if you could imagine trying to translate something into like Turkish mm. or Japanese, you know the even though it's showing it to you up on the screen, what what the translation is it might be difficult for you to correctly pronounce that unless you speak the language yeah so it's kind of cool that it'll say it in your ear um so you can repeat that to whoever you're, you're so trying to talk so to. the idea then is that you could have a conversation with somebody who's speaking an entirely different language would it be able to hear them or would you have to repeat what they said 
Uh, you'd have to repeat what they said, and I'm I'm not positive that it would be able to go in reverse. So I don't know if you were to speak and say, how do you say something? In how do you, Turkish, como se yeah. dice mesa in English? I don't yeah. know that it would know to tell you table. Right. I think it. I think it might just go from English out to other languages. For now. Interesting, though, that uh, you know to solve that problem would be a huge uh, barrier lifter for for communications in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be able to stand in front of somebody and have a conversation with them, have it hear them tell you what they're saying, and then you speak in English, and it you know then tells you how to say phonetically what you need to say to them. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen the Word Lens application. There's this program that you can run on your iPhone that runs a video and it does real-time translation of signs and whatever you're looking at from a language to a language. And it tries to match the fonts and the colors and everything. It's unbelievable. And so I'm sure someone's going to port that to mm-hmm. glass. And that would be amazing. You could imagine you're you know, walking down a street in China and you could look at a sign and it would you know, change the text to English. The Translate app on the Windows phone does that. Does it? Okay. Where you literally could say yeah, Chinese to English and hold the thing up. Yep. I found it worked well in Bulgaria too because the the Cyrillic character set. Like I've had someone write out an address for me, and I'm holding it up trying to say, "Is that the same word?" Uh huh. It's just, you know when you don't know the letters. Yeah. It's really tough to to do those translations. It's but that that whole hold your phone up and then the different language pops very creepy. Mm-hmm. I'm actually thinking now that uh, the the translation person to person thing might work better. If both people have a Google Glass, so then, you know, they get to hear what you just said in their language and vice versa. Mm-hmm. It's universal translators. Yeah, exactly. It's all Star Trek. Yeah, man, we are living a science fiction novel, aren't we? The other app I saw online that I thought was really cool was a cooking app where it's showing you cooking instructions and ingredients and so forth in line as you're preparing. So yeah. You, you sort of can follow along with the process without having to look away. And somebody did a concept um, online with a product, I think it's called Open Glass, mm-hmm. where he he looked at um, a bowl and said, okay, how many, how many uh, cups of rice to serve five people or you know, something to that effect with this bowl? And it, it used some sort of image processing to figure out the size of this bowl and how many times he'd have to fill it with rice in order to, you know, have a certain serving size. Hmm. So he's and he's working on uh, image recognition too that would use uh, mechanical Turk for uh, blind people, so they can they can wear this and they can say, you know, is the something in front of me? Right. And they can get a response back saying yes, straight ahead, and then it's off on the left or right. whatever. Yeah, just reading a story about a, a blind guy with a seeing eye dog. And they're walking down the sidewalk and the dog just sits down and he's not sure why the dog's not moving. So he's wondering if the dog's sniffing at something. He checks for an obstacle, can't find an obstacle. After a while, he just sort of gets fed up with the dog and says, it's time to go. And they start walking and they walk into wet cement. Ugh. So the dog knew there was an obstacle there, uh-huh. but it didn't know how to communicate it. Like there's where I mean, having Google Glass, you could just say, hey, why is my dog stopped? What's here that he doesn't recognize? That's a really interesting capability. Yeah, and just the built-in feature of having somebody see what you're seeing as mm-hmm. doing a video chat. You know, I could see that being so useful for, you know, for example, with us, like somebody's in a remote data center, and the person who really knows the data center isn't there. They really right. know the server, so, but they yeah, can or send or a tech out. Or any technical problem, right? Right. The, the remote expertise or, you know, 
having uh, EMTs and a doctor monitoring it sure. back at the hospital. Yeah, you've got first aid training. You can administer basic things. But now you could administer more stuff because you can have a doctor look at the patient right then and there and say, yeah, I agree. Go ahead, administer this additional care. Is there a kind of a Skype app for it? There's Google Hangout. So you okay. can do anybody who's on Google Plus, you can do a video conference or a video chat. All right. So so somebody could see through your eyes, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think actually that's going to be something that Google would be smart to get on is getting getting people who have really interesting jobs or or celebrities or something. And so you could, you know, tune in, you know, you could have like a football player who says on his Twitter, you know, I'm going to wear Google Glass when I run out, you know, on, on the field today. Right. And, you know, you could get all these people signing up to experience that as he runs out. Mm-hmm. And those sorts of first person. About to go on stage for a right. concert, like that whole looking out of the, I mean, how many times do you see folks now carrying their phone out to give people that experience? Exactly, right. Yeah, it's an interesting angle on that. I don't know how weatherproof that would be to, that you'd want it's, to wear it surfing or anything. No, not for that. You, you're not supposed to dunk it in water, but I mean, you saw Scoble's showing it can get wet. Uh, it's, uh, it's, I've no, played tennis. I didn't tennis. see that. What, no. was, what yeah. was that all about? He, he showed this picture of him showering with it on, uh, from oh, okay. the neck up. Carefully shot. Yeah. Um, I've worn it playing tennis, uh, where I've been sweating like crazy and, um, Aside from just slipping a little bit at the nose bridge, mm-hmm. no, no, no problems with it actually failing. I wonder to work. how motion sick somebody watching that video because you move pretty sharply mm-hmm. in, ten- in tennis, and it's not like that's particularly image stabilized. No, um, they, and I, as far as I can tell, they don't run it through any stabilization right. when it goes to their server. So when you're really moving, it's going to show. A, yep. Just a running shot would be par- fairly tough. Yeah, it's 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 shaking. What's interesting too is that it looks like a pair of glasses, but there's no actually lens mm-hmm. right there's what looks like to be a little bit of a a border you know that sort of hints that this is a pair of glasses but but there's no lens yeah so so i really hope they figure out how to allow people with glasses to use these effectively um i'm sure they will well and i appreciate that they're programming multiple languages too i would have thought it would have been an all android stack but mm-hmm. giving a few more choices just opens up to more developers well, and remember, that's not a native app. That's a, a, a REST app. Yep. For the REST stuff, you can write it in anything you sure. want as long as it serves up the right um, responses. REST. Yeah. Well, I bet you Xamarin will get in there as soon as possible. Oh, yeah. C Sharp will be taken care of. That's right. What's on your wish list for Google Glass? Anything that we haven't talked about, maybe? Um, some people have talked about having a, a record mode with a delay so that you could you could be having it record, and then when something cool happens, you say, go grab the last five seconds, and it would just snip that part. Um, so it's always recording, essentially. Right. Um, or even if you turn that mode on, um, a lot of people want facial recognition um, amongst their group of friends or their contacts in Google+, Plus, or the ability to easily create contacts when they meet somebody. Right. I wish the, I wish the, um, the Google... I don't know if you want to call this the speech uh, recognition. I wish it was a little bit better with semantics. I wish it was a little bit smarter about what I'm asking. Uh, it's not up to series level, uh, in my opinion, at the moment. And with that, with that speech stuff that they're working on, the contextual conversational speech searching, that seems like uh, it would be really important with Glass. 
Yeah, and, and pretty much, I mean, if you think about it, almost everything that Google does as its core uh, in terms of search is something that could be applied to this, whereas, you know, my, Apple's got all kinds of other stuff other than figuring out how to make voice recognition search well. So I would think that Google should be able to, you know, apply apply their, their core competency to it. Awesome. Well, what's next for you? What are you working on now? Uh, in terms of glass or just in or general? anything, yeah. Um, well, we just finished that conference and got some, some good ideas on speeding up performance of sites and, uh, aspect oriented programming. So I think I'm going to bring some of that stuff back and hopefully, uh, integrate it into some of the projects I'm working on. Mm hmm. And, uh, after that, we see you at another conference. You're going to keep doing glass talks? Um, I probably will. I'll do, I, I spent some time putting this one together, so I'll probably see if I can give it some other places. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I'll be I'll be around. Chris May, thanks very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. All right, we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. Thanks for listening, and remember, Pluralsight.com is where you can get 200 free minutes of developer training online. Pluralsight.com. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band by the FCC and summer.